0: Father, we do ask for the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would do work in all of our lives and cause us to be part of the fulfillment of what you prophesied, Jesus, that your house would be a house of prayer for all nations. So, Lord, we ask that you would take each of us further along and deeper in a life of prayer and communion with you and intercession for what you want released upon the earth in these days. We pray today, Lord, that you enable us to overcome any obstacles that hinder that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there were these uh, three guys. Actually, it was a, a Catholic priest, a Baptist pastor, and a Jewish rabbi, and they were camping together. And as they were around, sitting around the campfire, each of them claimed to be the best at winning converts to their respective faiths. So, in order to Settle this friendly dispute, they decided to go out into the woods and see if they could convert a bear. So the very next day, they fan out in different directions and agree that they'll come back in 12 hours and give the results of what they are attempting to do. So 12 hours later, they gather back around the campfire. And the Baptist pastor says to the Catholic priest, Well, how did it go? And the Catholic priest said, Well, he said, I saw a bear foraging berries, and I came to him, and I began to you know, read to him out of our catechism. I talked to him about theology, and I'm happy to report I signed him up to start our conversion education classes. The Baptist pastor said, well, that's good, but I found a black bear in the creek, and I laid out the plan of salvation to him. He prayed the sinner's prayer, and I baptized him right in the creek. Then he both looked over at the Jewish rabbi, and he was all scratched up. His clothes were all torn up, and he was kind of bloody. And they said, what happened to you? He took a deep breath and said, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't start with circumcision. Well, different faiths do a lot of things differently, <laughs> and they disagree about a lot of things, and one of the things that most faiths in the world disagree about is really how you should approach God. How do you pray? During our Pray Always series, we really want to see biblically how God wants this to work. So far, we've talked about the priority of prayer, and we've talked about the purpose of prayer, and we've talked about the perspective we should have in prayer. And this morning we're going to look at the pattern of prayer. Jesus taught his disciples, he said this, "Pray then in this way. He taught them how to pray. He'd pray, He taught them a pattern of prayer. Jesus did not teach his disciples a prayer. He taught them how to pray. He gave them a pattern of prayer. Well, let's briefly walk through the Lord's instructions on how to pray, the pattern he gave his disciples and us on how to pray. Most of you are familiar with it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9, but we're going to go all the way down through verse 15. Jesus says this, pray then in this way. He's given a pattern. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But then Jesus continues, for if you forgive men... For their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, when you came in and you attached to your bulletin is a magnet. And so if you didn't get one of those bulletins or one of these magnets, make sure you get one on the way out because it's going to be very helpful for you to use as a little reminder of the Pattern of prayer or how to pray. If you'll notice, this little magnet has an up arrow. There's upwards, and then there's outwards, then there's inwards, and then it finishes upwards. That really is the pattern that Jesus gives us. He starts off with upwards. We upward, we start by hallowing God's name. We start by praising God, worshiping God, honoring God, giving reverence reverence, to God. And then we pray outward. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We're praying outward that your kingdom rule would come to bear in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my workplace, in my school, in my neighborhood. Let your kingly, kingly rule come to bear. Let your way come. Let your sway come. We pray outward. And then the arrows go inward. We pray inward. We're praying for ourselves. We're praying, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And then it finishes with an arrow upward again. For yours is the kingdom. And yours is the power. And yours is the glory forever. And ever. What a wonderful prayer guide that Jesus has given for us to use in prayer. I want you to notice that the focus of this prayer guide really is the focus is all about the glory of God. The focus of this prayer really is primarily about him. Everything comes from him. Everything is for him. The prayer starts by hallowing his name and ends before yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory. It is all about him, about his kingdom, about his power, and about his glory. And I think that it's important for us when we think about how we pray that we realize that that is the focus of prayer. It's all about him because I think as humans we tend to think it's all about us. And our focus in our prayers is primarily about us. And I think that most humans think it's about my kingdom and it's about my power and it's about my glory. But there's a day coming, the Bible says, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I want you to think about that moment. Think about that moment where that will happen. Every knee, every knee all the way from Adam and Eve All through history, all humanity, every creature who's ever lived will bow on that day and acknowledge his final supremacy, his kingdom, his power, and his glory. I want you to think about that. Just think about that moment. Every president who's ever lived, George Washington all the way to Donald Trump, will bow the knee on that day. Every CEO who's ever led a company will get on their knees on that day. Every movie star who's ever, whoever graced a magazine cover in all their glory will bow on that day. Every billionaire who ever made some fabulous fortune will be on their knees before him on that day. People that we know and read about, who sit on thrones, kind of thrones, some sort of thrones today, on that day will bow. Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, they'll all be on bended knee before him. LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, and every star athlete, they'll be on their knees on that day. Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Rush Limbaugh and Wolf Blitzer and Putin and Xi Jinping, all of them, will be on bended knee before him. In fact, knees that didn't do much bowing at all, in their own day, on that day, their knees will bow. Napoleon will bow his knees. Adolf Hitler will be on his knees. Joseph Stalin will be on his knees before him on that day. Think about this. Caesar Augustus, who sent out a decree that the whole world should be taxed, and on his watch, Jesus is born. Born to poor parents in some obscure village in a country really oppressed, a country that Caesar never even thought about passing through. Old Caesar will be on his knees on that day. Herod, think about Herod, the one who would have gladly put a sword through that baby. In fact, did kill many babies trying to get to that one we'll find out on that day that death was no match for that one because Herod will be on his knees on that day. And Pontius Pilate, who really didn't intend to do something wrong but really didn't intend to do something right either, will find out on that day that he can't wash his hands and look the other way. Pontius Pilate will be on his knees on that day. Think about all the characters that we read about. Think about Pharaoh and Goliath, and Jezebel, and Judas Iscariot, all of them will be on bending knee on that day. People who went through their whole lives being bowed down to on that day, they will be bowing. And they'll be bowing to him. Think about that. The person you live next door to, they'll be bowing that day. The person that you go, you're in class with, or you sit next to at work, They'll be on knees on that day. Your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, they'll all be on their knees, every one of them. Some knees will bow under duress. Some knees will bow possibly grudgingly, resentfully, stiffly. Some knees are going to bow in adoration and thanksgiving with hearts filled with appreciation and thrilled with him because of his sheer goodness. But one way or another, that day is coming. As sure as this day came, that day will come. And every knee, every knee will bow because it is all about his kingdom and his glory and his power forever and ever. And that truth ought to capture our hearts in the way that we pray. It's all about Him. Our prayers, they start upward, they end upward, because that really is the primary focus of our prayers is about Him. Now let's talk about the number one thing that can kill your prayer life. In fact, this is the number one thing that can kill your spiritual life. Remember, Jesus, He says, Pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. Then He says, Part of the way we pray is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. And then he finishes the prayer and explains that in verse 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men then your father will not forgive your transgressions. I think we need to take it like he said it. Don't do hermeneutical gymnastics trying to get it to say different than what he said. If you will not forgive the ones who hurt you, then God will not forgive you. That's what he says. Now, just to affirm this, Jesus, in Matthew 18, tells the parable of the unforgiving servant. Remember the parable? The parable follows a question that Peter asked Jesus. He says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus answers, I mean, Peter said up to seven times. Peter thought he was really going way beyond what most people believed in that day, three times was it, three times, I'm not forgiving you anymore. Peter says, seven times? I mean, twice as much? To add one? Jesus says, Answers, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And then, to make his point, he tells a parable. The greatest teacher ever, the greatest storyteller ever, is now going to tell a story so people understand what he means. And in this parable, there's a king. This king forgives his a servant who owed him a million dollars. The servant came begging for mercy. The king forgives a million dollar debt. The servant goes out and finds someone else who owed him $10. And that person begged for mercy, but the servant would not give him any mercy and had him thrown into prison. Well, word of that got back to the king. So the king sent for that servant he forgave to come back. And here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 32 through 35, he says, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow servant, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger. Listen to this. Handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Now here's what Jesus now finishes the story. Now Jesus says this. Here's his point. So shall my heavenly father also do to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. If you don't forgive those who harmed you, then God won't forgive you. That's what he says. No matter what you do with this, we all got to agree very clearly that forgiveness is very serious business to God. So in light of how important it is that we forgive, no matter how, how bad you've been hurt, we need to make sure that we know and understand what Jesus means by forgiveness and how we do it. So let's talk a little bit about this because if this is the number one prayer killer, how can you have a prayer always series and not talk about it? So what is forgiveness? Now, I want to start off by talking not about what forgiveness is, but what it is not, because I think that will help us understand what it is. And then I'll talk about what it is. Let's talk first what forgiveness is not. To forgive someone does not mean to excuse or tolerate wrongdoing. To forgive someone does not mean to excuse or to tolerate more wrongdoing. It doesn't mean putting up with that which we should not put up with. Some of you in here have experienced deep wounds, some of you online have been abused and even betrayed. Forgiving the person who did that to you does not mean you let it happen again. You absolutely don't. Forgiving does not mean allowing that behavior to go on or to have it not confronted. Also, another thing about forgiving... Forgiving may not mean that reconciliation is going to occur. There's a difference between forgiving somebody and necessarily being able to be reconciled to them. If somebody sins against you and refuses to acknowledge the truth about the situation, refuses to repent, you may not be able to reconcile I mean, you can't build on a relationship unless there is some mutually shared understanding of the truth and there's been appropriate repentance. Nothing about forgiveness, forgiveness does not mean the absence of serious consequences for sin. It doesn't mean that, you, that they get away with wrongdoing. For example, if a law is broken, you can forgive the person but they still have consequences for breaking the law. Sin still has consequences. Even, even if you forgive someone for the sin, the sin still has consequences. There was this woman, and she uh, bought a parrot. And the parrot treated her horribly. I mean, the parrot all the parrot did is insult her. And as she had the parrot on her arm, he'd insult her and peck her arm. And one day she finally had enough of it, and she had the parrot on her arm, and the parrot saying, you're ugly, and I can't stand you, and I hate you, and pecking her arm. She said, that's it. She opens the freezer door and throws the parrot in, closes the freezer door. And even five seconds after the door's closed, she still hears the parrot in there, mocking her. And then it got quiet. And she thought, oh, no, I killed it. She opened up the door real quickly, and the parrot's standing there looking at her. And so she reaches her arm out, and the parrot gets on her arm, and the parrot says, I just want to apologize for how disrespectful I've been to you these last days. And I ask for your forgiveness, and I, plan- I promise to be an obedient parrot. And she said, wow, okay, apology accepted. And the parrot said, ma'am, I just ask you one more question. She says, sure, what is it? And the parrot, said, the parrot turned to look at the freezer and said, what did the chicken do? Sin has consequences. Forgiving someone does not mean that they still don't have consequences for their sin. So here's what forgiveness is. Here's a definition I want to give you. Forgiving those who hurt you or wronged you or betrayed you means you give up the right to hurt them back. And you wish them well before God. Let say it again. Forgiving those who hurt you or betrayed you means you give up the right to hurt them back and you wish them well before God. God commanded us to forgive, and we should notice, I think, that the very word forgive has the word give in it. You notice that? Because it will cost you something to forgive someone. Forgiveness always costs. Someone, and I think a lot of us, we could probably get up here one after another and talk about some of the things that have been done to us, and we we got it down, we know that debt down to the penny of what was done to us. And some of you are thinking right now, yeah, I I can forgive them, I can forgive them, but I know what that means. That means I'm going to have to swallow the debt. I'll pay the cost. And the cost is me not hurting them back. In fact, the cost is me not even wanting to see them hurt back. And if you say that, I'd say, you're right. It will cost you. It'll cost you. You'll have to absorb it yourself. The only thing I know that costs more than forgiving someone is not forgiving someone. So why is forgiving so important? Here, we really got to get this. Let me tell you why forgiving is so important. When we refuse to forgive someone who's hurt or offended us, four things will happen to us. You ready for these four things out of the Bible? Here they are. The first thing we've already seen. If we refuse to forgive someone, we wreck our relationship with God. We wreck it. We just talked about how if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. The most important thing we have in the world is our relationship with God. And if we refuse to forgive others, we lose that, that most important thing. But it doesn't stop there. If we refuse to forgive, we sabotage our relationship with others. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. This is an amazing two verses. If we hold on to our anger, we hold on to it. We hold on to our hate. We hold on to our resentment. We hold on to our bitterness. We will not let it go. It says here that you do that and the devil has a place. You just gave him one. You gave him a place. The one who separates, that's what the word devil means, the one who separates. The one who separates, the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12, has a place. A place in your house. The slanderer, you just give him a place when you don't forgive. You give him a place in your house. I want you to think about this in terms of a marriage. If you've got a husband and wife who refuse to forgive each other, They they have reservoirs of resentment, like ammunition dumps. And if the smallest thing happens and they reach into that reservoir of resentment and they get a weapon and they say, you always and you never. The accuser of the brethren has a place in their house. That's why so many marriages are hell on earth, because the, the devil's in the house. And you only can get them out. You can't pray them out. You can't rebuke them out. You only can get them out by forgiving each other. Unforgiveness sabotages our relationship with God. It sabotages our relationship with others. Thirdly, when we refuse to forgive others, we give ourselves over to torment. Jesus says if we do not forgive, we're handed over to the torturers, the tormentors. And nobody is more tormented than someone who's bitter. Bitter people are miserable people. They live their life in a prison that they themselves have built when they refuse to forgive. Now listen carefully. If, if even in cases where reconciliation is not possible, we still must forgive We still must forgive or we're handed over to the torturers. In fact, forgiveness is something good that you do for yourself. In the New Testament, the most common Greek word for forgiveness means literally to release, to hurl away, to free yourself. What it means to forgive someone is it means that you let go. You just let go of your right to hurt them back. In fact, you let go of your desire to see them hurt, you let it go. You just give it all to God. Vengeance is His. He will repay. Lord, whatever you want to do, it's yours. Here, but I'm done. I let it go. It costs a lot to forgive, but it costs even more not to. And some of you are carrying this around, carrying this burden, and I I urge you today for God's sake, just let it go. Just let it go. Because if you don't, it's going to kill you. If you don't, you're going to become chained to your resentment. just chained to it. Chained to your anger. And bit by bit, all the joy in your life is just choked out. If you don't forgive, then bit by bit, it's going to be more and more difficult for you to trust anyone. If you don't forgive, then bitterness is going to crowd out all the compassion of your heart slowly and Utterly. And you'll end up, and I've seen it so many times, you end up being just kind of one long complaint. You ever see people like that? All they do is complain, criticize, because they're so bitter. Some of you think, well, I can hide it. You might be able to hide it for a little while, but after a while, there's going to be a monster of hostility that's going to come up in there and show himself. So let it go. Let it go. Not forgiving someone's like sucking on a poison pill and waiting for the other person to die when all you're doing is killing yourself. So forgiving is cutting the person free from their deserved penalty. You just cut them free, let it go. It's outrageously, outrageously costly to do that. By the way, all true forgiveness is substitutional, Right? I mean, everyone who truly forgives another accepts the penalty of what's been done to them on themselves and they absorb it. But isn't that what Jesus does when he dies on the cross? He he takes all of our penalty and absorbs it for us. All forgiveness is substitutional. Forgiveness is a free gift or it amounts to nothing at all if it's not free. It cannot be a receipt for payment in full. It's an undeserved pardon. It's unwarranted release. They don't earn it. No strings attached. If it's not that, it's not genuine forgiveness. By the way, and if you postpone forgiveness until until you've got the last angry installment extracted, that's not forgiveness, that's punishment. So how do you do it? How do you forgive? What Jesus says, right, in Matthew 18.35, let's look at it again, Matthew 18.35, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's an important phrase, from your heart. So the first part of forgiving someone is giving up the right for revenge. Vengeance is yours, Lord, you repay, I'm letting them go. I'm letting go my my my. my, my Commitment to try to get them back or get even, even my desire to see them hurt. I let it all go, give it up. That's the first part. The second part is you wish them well before God, and this is where the heart comes in, and this is where most people miss it. Some of you think I can't. There's no way I can do what you're saying. I can't wish them well before God. You got to understand what they did to me. I'm telling you. I've heard lots of stories over the last four decades of ministry. I've heard people say, there's no way I can forgive them for what they did. How can I? About uh, 10 years ago, there was a woman in our church that said that I had said something I never said. And she went and told a lot of people that I'd said this, and I didn't say it. I tried to point out to her, she was wrong, I never said that. And she said, yes, you did. And she went on to slander me. She did it for 10 years. I got a note from her last week. She says, you hurt me because of what you said. And I'm like, "I, I never said it. She said, You hurt me for what She said, I just want you to not forgive you now. It's taken a while. Ten years. And then she added this phrase in her note. She said, And I have spoken against you. Would you forgive me for that? And I can, and I do. But let me tell you something I learned a long time ago that I do to process forgiveness so I can do it from my heart. I want you to just think about the heaviness you feel in your heart when someone has betrayed you, lied about you, slandered you, abused you, whatever it may be. And there's, just, there's, there's, there's a heaviness of resentment in your heart. How do you get rid of that so you can forgive from the heart? How do you get rid of that? I'm going to tell you two verses that the Lord showed me many years ago that that I want to put together for us. Jesus said two things. He said, pray for those who persecute you and bless those who curse you. Put those two together. Because when someone's hurt you, there's, there's a feeling you've been persecuted. Pray for those who persecute you. What do you pray for them? Not, Lord, kill them, please. That's not the prayer. Bless those who curse you. Here's what I've learned. Every time I feel that heaviness, I'm just, I just I say once again, Lord, I release them. And Lord, I pray blessing on them today. Now, when I first start praying the blessing, I don't feel it. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't feel it. And it's not really from my heart. It's an act of my will. But I do it. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. I'm praying for that person today. And bless them, Lord. Bless everything about them. Bless them. But here's what I've learned. Every time I do that, a little bit of the weight comes off my heart. And then I still feel it, and it comes back, and I pray it again, and a little more weight comes off my heart. And then one day, the weight's gone. And it's like I've been given miracle eyes now to see that person differently. And I really do wish them well before God. I mean it, and I feel it. And that's what some of you you need to do today. You need to release that person who's offended you, who's hurt you. And then you need to forgive them from your heart. How? Start praying blessing for them. You're not going to feel it at first. You're not. But you will. Just keep doing it. And one day, the weight is all gone. And you've got miracle eyes. And you see them. And you want God's best for them, and you mean it from your heart. Well, that is a teaching about forgiveness. Now you must choose. No more explaining. You must choose vengeance or mercy, prison or freedom. What will you choose? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that none of us could leave this room or tune out on, online right now. That you speaking to our hearts. I pray, Lord, right now, with our mind's eye, let us see that person, Lord, that we may not have forgiven. Show us. Some of us, Lord, see the face right now, who it is. Some of you right now, you see it. You know who it is. You know in the whole message who it is. So right now, Lord, all these faces... Lord, we just are going, we just are going to let them go. We're letting them go right now. Let them go. We just let them go. We release them. Just release them now. Release them. Release them from your desire for revenge. Release them from hurting them back. Just release them. Let them go. And, Lord, right now we're going to start, and it might take some of us a little while before we really can do it from our heart, but we're starting with our will and saying, Lord, bless those who curse us. We pray blessing over the person that you put in front of our mind's eye. Bless them. Bless them, Lord. And bless them in every way. Bless them, Lord. We release them to you, and we pray blessing for them. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for how much you've forgiven us, that mountain of debt. And we want to be those who easily now begin to walk in this ability to forgive others.